Hello and welcome. My name is Mason and this is Mace on Loki, episode four, The Nexus Event. And this episode was, uh, it was a lot. There was a lot going on in this episode and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. I will do some non-spoiler thoughts up top uh, and then I will talk about some of the many spoilers uh, that are in this episode, many big uh, reveals that happen in this episode. Uh, there's a lot going on that I'm excited to talk about. But to give my overall thoughts on the episode, you know, I was reading online that, you know, a lot of people were happy with last week's episode. I was happy with last week's episode. I thought the character development was great. Some people felt like it was kind of running in place, uh, like there was a lot of conversation. But ultimately, the episode doesn't really accomplish anything, um, you know, for Loki and Sylvie. Um, other than, you know, we do get some reveals, um, but, you know, it doesn't really move anything forward. Um, but they just have to deal with the situation um, and then, you know, find their way back uh, to the TVA and things like that. So uh, I thought it was a great episode, but if people were maybe a little bit bored or a little bit impatient after last week's episode, uh, this week's episode uh, packed pretty much everything in it that I thought would happen in episodes four, five, and six. So uh, there, there's a lot, a lot, a lot in this episode. And um, I thought that the action in this episode was great. Uh, I thought that the reveals were um, somewhat surprising, but kind of not surprising in other ways. Uh, that's kind of vague. I have to stay vague to avoid spoilers, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there is more great interactions amongst the entire cast. We get some more great stuff uh, between Mobius and Ravona. Uh, we get more stuff with Hunter B-15. Uh, we get some more, obviously, with Sylvie and Loki. Um, and we get, yeah, just uh, a great episode where uh, characters are being developed, things are being revealed... And it moves at such a pace that it, it, it's basically like a nonstop ride throughout the entire episode. I, I wrote on Twitter, you know, if you were a little bit, if you felt like last week was running in place, buckle up because you're in for a ride this week. So uh, those, are, those are my <laughs> brief non-spoiler thoughts on the episode because uh, I really want to talk about specifics from this episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out and then come back for the rest of this review. So getting into it, this episode... Um, you know, opens with the reveal of uh, Sylvie's childhood. Uh, so we do actually get to see that she was, she is technically a Loki, but she was born obviously female um, and she had a little bit of a different upbringing, understanding that she was adopted and things like that. But we just get some great callbacks um, in this opening as she's playing with a Valkyrie uh, and the giant wolf. Uh, that we see um, in Ragnarok um, and, you know, just just some great, great little callbacks in that opening scene. But we see that Ravona, um, I think she was um, Hunter A23, uh, I believe was her number, uh, her letter and number uh, when she came in. Uh, but she's actually the one that brought Sylvie in and brought her before the judge. And then Sylvie um, ended up you know, getting away and taking Ravona's temp pad with her, which is how she was able to hop from place to place. Um, and it would also explain why she didn't understand in, in the previous episode why her magic 
didn't work when she was in the TVA because she never really got a chance to discover that the first time she was there. Um, so it's not her first time at the TVA. Um, she was there. She did escape. She got the tempad. Uh, she had to fend for herself and for a very long time. Uh, she was running for an extremely long time, uh, eventually discovering that she could hide in apocalypses. But uh, what a what a crazy existence. Uh, she said, you know, the universe wants to be free and that's why it manifests chaos, uh, such as her being born uh, a woman, a different, a variant Loki. Um, so I thought that, that was a really interesting intro. And we just get a really sweet moment between Sylvie and Loki in this episode. You know, I didn't pick up on any of the romantic or like any of that, any of those hints last week, I just felt like they were both kind of manipulating each other for most of the episodes. So I didn't really pick on, pick up on any actual chemistry, although I felt like they were great at playing off of one another. Um, this week, we see that there is a little bit of interest, at least from Loki, um, and that creates the Nexus event. And what's interesting is that when we see a Nexus event has been caused, it is the only Nexus event that is occurring on the Sacred Timeline, which means that last week, even though we saw this huge, like, or I guess two weeks ago, saw this huge branching off of the multiverse, um, it seems like all of the, um, all of the Minutemen, all of this, all of those soldiers were able to address all of the different um, places that had been attacked um, and reset those timelines and prune those those branches. So it was really interesting. Like, we didn't get to see it, so I was a little bit disappointed. I thought we would get a little bit of a montage, but I think part of it, again, will come back to budget because I don't know how much it would cost to show a bunch of different Nexus events in sequence and them resetting all of that. Like, it's an, it would be an expensive montage, so I can understand why it wasn't included, but I was... A little bit disappointed that we didn't get to see any of that resetting action that would have had to have occurred um, after the bombing of the sacred timeline. So I thought I thought that was really interesting uh, that 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 just it all just disappeared. It was reset by the time we get to this episode. But you know I realized I was I was skeptical. I thought that with that many branches, you know some of them would have to continue. But I realized as well that. The TVA is enormous. Like they have, probably have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of of these Minutemen that can go around and reset things. So I guess I kind of underestimated the power of the TVA in that moment uh, where they can all jump through these different portals at the same time uh, to these different locations and reset everything that's been damaged. So I thought that that was uh, interesting uh, that, that that happened, but... Um, yeah, so I was a little bit disappointed, but I can understand why that wasn't shown just based on budget. We, we might get some glimpses. Um, you know, I think that based on the ending of this episode, we are going to see where things go that have been pruned, uh, or reset because we have a, a lot of different Lokis revealed at the end of this episode. Uh, so we, I think we are going to get some answers to what exactly happens when someone is pruned or reset. Uh, where do those things go? And, you know, to skip ahead a little bit, I think that in the preview, we've seen so many previews with Loki, like Loki as president or whatever, and the the Mongolian soldiers um, or warriors, uh, 
um, kind of pointing their swords and stuff at him. And I think that that occurs in the area that we saw in the post credit scene. Um, I- I'm guessing. I'm guessing that because, you know, in the first episode, we saw them get reset. We saw that whole, whole branch get pruned. Um, and I, so I think we're going to see where they ended up after they were pruned. So I think that that's going to be really interesting. Because, um, yeah, I, I believe those are the same uh, Mongolian warriors that we saw. Or maybe not warriors, Mongolian people that we saw in the first episode. So I think that that's really interesting. Uh, but I, I was surprised that we didn't explore um, what all of that damage actually looked like. And, you know, I thought we had gotten the multiverse of madness, but I, I guess that that is, it was a bit of a fake out. And I guess the the real, you know, bringing down or messing up of the TVA is still yet to occur uh, in episode six, which makes sense. You know, you can't really do your biggest thing in episode two. You do have to build to something. So so that made sense. Um, but yeah, I, I love the opening of this episode. Um, and I thought that, it was a great insight into how Sylvie became who she is, that she is a Loki variant. Um, she's not anything different, um, but she is, you know, she's a variant. She's very different to the Loki that we know. So uh, I thought that it was interesting that um, there, the love or the care, the feelings that Loki felt for Sylvie caused a very sharp Nexus event because two versions of yourself interacting with one another and developing a bond of love, uh, yeah, that would seriously mess up uh, the universe, uh, obviously. So definitely something that had to be fixed. And I thought that it was a great way to obviously rescue them um, and, you know, a great way to bring them back into the TVA. So that was really interesting. I think we are going to see a reunion and a universe-shattering event uh, in episode, maybe the end of episode five, but definitely uh, by episode six. Uh, I'm excited to see how they pick up these different pieces. Um, You know, elsewhere, you know, uh, in the beginning of this episode, we also see them sitting together with the purple background, which in the the trailers, it definitely looked like that was potentially Black Widow, uh, but I think most of us assumed it wasn't, that it was Sylvie uh, once we were introduced to her. Um, so yeah, the other, the other thing that, you know, uh, was, uh, was teased in this episode, uh, with, with an interesting conversation with Mobius, he's talking about how difficult it is to deal with these two variants, uh, how much more difficult he never expected it to be more difficult to deal with these variants than it was to deal with Titans, um, Kree and vampires, uh, which is, the introduction, the serious introduction of vampires to the MCU. That's a big event in this episode because Marvel is developing a new Blade movie. Uh, Blade, you know, we had the previous movies, obviously, with Wesley Snipes, um, but it's being rebooted for the MCU. Uh, And so I think that that was the first subtle hint that as that movie is obviously in development, uh, we will be seeing vampires um, in the MCU, which is really cool, really exciting. Uh, and a really nice little little sprinkling, uh, a little tease there um, that vampires exist. So really interesting. I, I'm excited to see, obviously, that, that develop. But I thought it was a great little way to um, reference something else that's happening within the MCU. Uh, so excited to see vampires. Um, excited to see Blade. I believe uh, Mahershala Ali 
was in talks, might be confirmed um, to be playing Blade in the MCU, which I think is great. Uh, definitely uh, would love to see that uh, occur. So elsewhere, um, you know, the within the episode, after they bring Loki and Sylvie in, we get the joke like, oh, there's only two guards for Loki, but there's like five for Sylvie, which I thought was just a great... Just a great little dig at Loki. Uh, And we get this conversation again between Loki and Mobius where Loki is trying to reveal uh, that the TVA is lying to Mobius. um, But obviously Mobius sees it as Loki being Loki, just trying to pull another deception. Um, But I I love like it was such a great emotional moment where Loki's assuming all of the things that Mobius is going to call him. And Moby's like, actually, I just think you're an a-hole and a bad friend. Like, I thought that that was, that was like straight to the point. Um, and and a, a very, very nice cut down by Mobius in, in that moment. But really just an honest reflection of like, Mobius is hurt by Loki. Like he really wanted this relationship to work, this partnership to work. Um, he wanted, he, you know, obviously he wanted Loki to be part of the team. Uh, and he feels betrayed. And I thought that it was really... Uh, really great character work there. Uh, we also see, uh, when we go back to Sylvie, we see that um, she talks about how she's able to, she can't create memories, but she is able to show people their memories. Um, and, you know, B-15 has been shaken up after she was kind of taken over by Sylvie in, in a previous, in episode two. Um, and, you know, she wants to know if what she saw was real after you know, Hunter C-20 was saying, it's real, it's real. Um, you know, B-15 wants to confirm, is this real? Uh, is that a real memory? Is the TVA really lying to us? And so she takes Sylvie and Sylvie shows her um, her memories and she sees how happy she was and something has been taken from her uh, by the TVA. And, and, you know, that's heartbreaking. It's really sad to see that, but it sets up just a great, it really makes us care about someone that maybe we we saw as kind of black and white an antagonist now we're seeing the layers in that she's a victim she's a victim of the TVA and I think that's a great twist uh, within this episode and uh, I love the torture of Loki in this episode of sending him to a very specific memory and a great way to bring back Lady Sif um, who hasn't been around in a while uh, I thought it was so fun to have her back great cameo that nobody knew about nobody expected uh it was great to see her in this episode you know um just uh just something very simple which i i did some research and it is based on north mytho- norse mythology loki having cut uh lady sif's hair when she was married to thor uh as some kind of prank because she was uh very fond of her hair it was, it was a mark of her beauty uh and so loki being the trickster that he is cut her hair, um, and then she attacks him in a loop. So we get this loop of her, and we get great takes every time of, like, Loki trying to talk his way out of it, Loki eventually admitting um, that he's not a great person, uh, that he's afraid of being alone. Um, and then the when she, in the first take when we see her talking about you'll always be alone, uh, hits him in the groin, uh, punches him in the face, you know, it's it's an attack, and then at the end when she said it, it's really like a, just a, a devastating statement of like, you, you will always be alone because of the way that you are. Um, and I thought that was, uh, 
Yeah, that was deep. It was profound. It was very interesting. Um, and we see Loki, this whole series we've seen Loki really evaluating himself, really doing some soul searching, to, to be honest, and like, you know, why is he doing what he's doing? Why is he the way that he is? What makes a Loki a Loki? Those conversations, you know, their conversation episode, is it is a Loki a Loki because we're, we're born to lose? Um, and a great conversation where Loki's saying, you know, uh, we may lose, but we never die. We always find a way. Um, and obviously, in Endgame, he did actually die. But, you know, with time travel shenanigans, uh, he's still alive. So uh, he always, they always find a way. Uh, and I, I thought that, that all of that development between him and Sylvie and him and Lady Sif in this episode uh, was really, really fun, really touching. And uh, there was a comment by Mobius... Uh, when he realizes that Loki has feelings for Sylvie, he's like, this is the epitome of, of narcissism or, or whatever he says. And uh, it was really interesting because, you know, a lot of people are like, you would think like, oh, yeah, of course, Loki would fall in love with himself. Um, but but Sylvie's really a very different version of Loki. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it like Loki is a narcissist, obviously. The only person he cares about is himself. But that's not the same as loving yourself. And I think that Loki does not love himself. I think that Loki knows his flaws, sees his flaws more than anybody else does. And I think Loki in some ways kind of despises himself or, or hates the way that he is or hates the life that he has. And is trying, you know, he talks about in the first episode, he talked about like desperate ploys by the weak uh, to feel powerful. Like he sees himself as weak and deceptive. Um, and manipulative, and I don't think that he loves himself. I think that he definitely only cares about himself um, and cares about accomplishing his plans, but, you know, that, that like I said, it's not the same as loving yourself. And so you might say, like, oh, yeah, of course he loves himself, but it's actually, like, a pretty pretty big moment for him um, and a, a great way of, a very different way of Loki finding a way to accept himself. Um, and coming, coming to terms and coming to peace with who he is and, and, and moving forward. So I thought that was really interesting. And maybe there was more under the surface than we, than we initially think about. So, or maybe I'm just being dumb and profound. Uh, <laughs> or trying to be profound and really just being dumb. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that, uh, that that was really interesting. An interesting spin uh, in this episode. And I have confirmed, I was doing a little bit of searching while I was talking uh, and it is Mahershala, Mahershala Ali uh, will be Blade in the MCU, just to confirm that. So, um, yeah, I think that that's really exciting. And, yeah, I thought that it was great bringing Lady Sif back. I thought that that method of torture was brilliant, um, really awful. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's not like this most violent, brutal thing. It's just enough. It's just enough pain, just enough irritation, you know, just enough... Uh, of a, um, you know, of a bad memory to get under your skin and really be torturous. So I thought that that was, um, yeah, that was brilliant torture. Um, but obviously, all that aside, the biggest reveal in this episode is that, you know, eventually by the end of this episode, well, first of all, Mobius gets pruned um, after, you know, B-15 is trying to help them get out. Mobius realizes that everything's a lie uh, he comes to believe it through a conversation, like, because they're trying to convince him that C-20 
um, is is dead, that she went crazy, and you're like, she seemed fine. Like, obviously she was shaken up, but she seemed fine. Um, but through the manipulation of Mobius, he eventually becomes wise to the fact that he's being lied to, at least by Ravona, about C20, which leads him to take her tempad, um, and he finds her interview file um, where... You know, Ravona is the one trying to desperately keep everyone from becoming aware of what's really going on with the timekeepers uh, and how they really are manipulating everything, taking out anyone who uh, endangers their plan or reveals their plan to the TVA. So obviously we see the power that Ravona has because in the beginning of this episode, we see her going up to the timekeepers um, and... We see that obviously the elevator, everyone knows where the elevator is, but you do need special access to operate it, which makes sense. I was complaining about how easy it is to find the elevator last week, but obviously you need specific clearance or at least you need her temp pad or whatever she has uh, to actually operate that specific elevator. So anyway, um, Mobius becomes suspicious. Mobius finds out. Mobius tries to take action and Mobius is pruned. So that's Mobius's unfortunate journey in this episode. He's like, he, you know, he really, they had that conversation about where if you could go anywhere, anytime, where would you go? And he's like, well, I can go anywhere, anytime. Uh, and then the great um, play on that conversation later was like, if I could go anywhere, I'd go back to where I'm really from, uh, the timeline that the TVA kidnapped me from. Um, and that's, that's, that's when he gets pruned. So um, yeah, very sad, but I don't think Mobius is gone. Like, I think he's gone to that place where everyone else, where, where Loki turns up at the end of the, at the post credit scene. Um, I think that's where Mobius is. I was like shocked that he got pruned, but at the same time I was like, I feel like he's coming back. So I wasn't super concerned. Um, and then the same thing when Loki gets pruned later in this episode, I was like, I think he's coming back. So he's not, you know, he's not going to disappear episode four. Um, but you know, the big, the big thing in this episode when they see the timekeepers and they do battle um, with the, the Minutemen uh, and eventually they're able to throw a sword at the timekeepers. And by the way, design of the timekeepers, as soon as I saw it, I was like, mm, seems a little like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like these guys uh, are the ones <laughs> are really... Uh, uh, all they're cracked up to be like, they just had a very like Chuck E. Cheese animatronic vibe to them, uh, which obviously it turns out when they cut off the head, it's an Android head. So they are androids. They are being operated by someone, uh, which confirms, you know, my theory that I had episode two, uh, a lot of people guessed that the TVA were lying and deceptive, but I specifically said, I think that it is a wizard of Oz situation. Like, is there someone behind the curtain? Are they real as they've been presented to us? Obviously not. They are not real as they've been presented to us. They are puppets, basically, of whoever the greater power behind them is. Um, but I was very happy with myself that, to be right about the Wizard of Oz comparison, uh, the man behind the curtain. We haven't seen the man behind the curtain yet, but we have seen that there is a curtain. There is deception. They are androids. They're not real. Um... And that's, that's very intriguing. I think that there have been interviews with Tara Strong where she reveals that there is more to be revealed about Miss Minutes. And I am of a mind that the real 
person behind the scenes is whoever the voice of Miss Minutes is. Like, whoever that character is, I think that she is, she's obviously an AI. She's been, you know, pulling the string. She's, she's the one responsible for essentially brainwashing all of the recruits. She does the videos. Uh, I think that Miss Minutes is essentially the big bad of this season. I thought maybe Ravona and Kang, but they have said repeatedly that Kang is not in this series in season one. Um, but they always say that, and then they're not there until they're there. So um, I said that before. But uh, I'm leaning towards Miss Minutes being the real, whatever power is behind Miss Minutes, um, I think that is going to be um, the real person pulling the strings uh, this entire season. And we do obviously see, what's interesting to me is I don't know, Ravona obviously is intimidated or acts like she's intimidated by the timekeepers. And she's saying protect the timekeepers. Obviously, she is a direct agent of the timekeepers because she has access to them. My question is, does she know that they are androids and there is someone else behind them? Or did she think they were real this entire time? So has she been surprised or was she involved in the establishment of this system with the timekeepers. So that's what I don't know. I don't know her involvement, but clearly she knows a lot more than everybody else because she's been helping to protect the fact that the timekeepers are lying to everybody about the TVA. So a little bit more to be revealed there. Obviously, Sylvie says she wants Ravona to tell her everything. So I think in the next episode, we are going to get a lot of those details. I think episode five is gonna be a big, uh, full of revelation. Uh, and I think we'll probably get a glimpse, maybe, in episode at the end of episode five of who the villain actually is. Um, and then we get the main confrontation, obviously, in episode six. So this, is, this series, by the way, you know, I had issues with pacing uh, in, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I had, issues, I had finale issues with both Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision in terms of execution uh, and time management. Uh, and yeah, all of that. But this series has been so well-paced um, and so well-executed in every episode. It truly is the best, so far, the best series of the three by far. But I'll be interested, interested like I said, to see the extent of Ravona's knowledge and involvement and uh, to see, yeah, who is behind the timekeepers who are puppets. Um, and the other... Uh, thing that I mentioned last week, the question I asked was, is all of this a construct like we saw with WandaVision? And in this timekeeper's lair, we'll call it, um, there were some very interesting red lights that were shaped almost like runes. And this is me, this is tinfoil hat time. This is crazy theory, um, you know, do I think this is what's actually going on? No. But I do want to make one crazy prediction, which is that the reason magic does not work within the TVA is that the situation is similar to what occurred in WandaVision, where first Agatha cast those runes so that Wanda couldn't use her magic in that creepy basement, 
and then Wanda cast the runes so that Agatha couldn't do her magic at the in the finale. And so I'm wondering if there is a sorcerer supreme, uh, a someone, some kind of grand power uh, that is that is basically placed runes within the TVA, uh, cosmic runes, uh, so that that is why magic is not possible. But I wonder who the power is. Could it be another crazy, crazy thought that I had, which I don't think is true, but Doctor Strange was able to see all eventualities uh, in Infinity War. He was able to see all the different realities, all the different possibilities. And I was thinking, what if there's a variant Doctor Strange or a variant Sorcerer Supreme? Um, or some, something on that level that has set up this entire situation. So those are my crazy thoughts that I don't think are true. But I was like, these red lights and lines kind of look like runes, which would explain why magic isn't working in the TVA. Um, but that would be, that'd be a lot of runes to cover a lot of space. So probably not what's going on. But that was just a thought that I had. Um, and then... As this episode ends, we see, you know, Loki wants to tell Sylvie whatever he was trying to, whatever he was wanting to confess, um, and then basically feelings. Um, but before he's able to do that, uh, he is pruned. He is reset by uh, Ravona, and that was the end of the episode. To be honest, when they went up in the elevator... I was like, and this is where we're going to cut to credits, right? I, I thought that they were going to save the Timekeeper reveal for episode five. I thought we were going to get in the elevator, go up, doors open. We don't actually see anything. We just cut to credits. So I was extremely surprised that we got this final confrontation. Uh, I thought it was really cool. So it was more than I thought we would get. And I'm very happy with it. Um, and then, yeah, the episode ends with Loki being pruned. We go to the post credits where we see Loki appearing. He thinks he's in hell. Uh, we see a destroyed Avengers Tower looking building in the background. Uh, so this is uh, where it seems like where everything goes to die or <laughs> where, where all of the pruned things go, where all of the reset things that are pruned from different branches kind of seems like this is the dumping ground, kind of like Sakaar, uh, you know, the cosmic dumping ground that we saw in Thor Ragnarok. This is kind of the cosmic dumping ground for alternate timelines. So... Uh, we see multiple Lokis at the end of this episode, which is really exciting. We see a kid Loki. Uh, we see like an alligator lizard looking Loki. Uh, we see uh, Loki in his comic book accurate original costume uh, played by Richard E. Grant. We were, a lot of people saw that he was cast and we were wondering who exactly he was playing. Looks like he is one of the Loki variants. And then we've got a Loki who is in armor and looks like he's wielding Mjolnir, um, which would be very interesting that in one of these timelines, um, Loki is the one who received Thor's hammer. Uh, I think that's really cool. So uh, it be interesting to see. I think that the next episode, obviously, we're going to explore wherever Loki has ended up. I think we're going to have those conversations between Sylvie and Ravona. Um, and yeah, I think that even if Ravona doesn't tell Sylvie, obviously Sylvie can go back into Ravona's memories. So I'll be interested to see, does Ravona actually say what happened or are we going to go into Ravona's memories like we did with C20 uh, and then later B15? So 
to be con- to be continued to be revealed. But this episode, amazing, uh, great action, great story development, great surprises, great twists and turns. Uh, I loved it through and through. I would say that this probably is my actual favorite episode uh, of the season so far. I think they just executed all of the twists and turns and reveals and character moments so well. Uh, it's I've definitely enjoyed it the most since the since the premiere. So uh, that that those are my complete thoughts and ramblings on this episode of Loki. If you have theories, if you have questions, uh, if you have comments, please let me know. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Mason Movies. You can check out the rest of the podcast feed for other things that I'm doing. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, please share, subscribe, leave a comment and a rating and all that stuff. Uh, but thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mace on Loki. Can't wait to see what we get next week. And until next week, um, please remember to take care of yourself, take care of your physical and mental health, uh, be well, and always be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.